Oh, you've missed all this. Aye, that's all. Oh, missed all the bloody introduction, but that's annoying. <laughs> You're an <owl. laughs> Oh, that, that was going to be a great bloody wee uh, introduction. <laughs> oh. Gladiators, ready! <laughs> Barriers, ready! <laughs> Aye, ready! <laughs> Hey. Oh, we missed out. We missed out the sharks, but never mind. <laughs> so staged. You never, never have that in our bit. <laughs> I've just got somebody to say, "Hit the fucking ball." That might work. Can you hear me now? Uh, I'll, I'll try and pause then. So as soon as I say something, or you say something before I come in. Okay. <laughs> 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 Clement was commenting on the to the the to, fucking hell. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? Derek, I am top of the world mate. <laughs> top of the world. You see where I'm going with that one? I see where you're going Dave because we are top <laughs> of the league aren't we? Certainly are. It's absolutely fantastic. The last week has been tremendous. The football, the results, everything has been so positive and the fallout from the other side of the city has just been simply glorious. But Dave, we don't talk about them, do we? So I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. It's still good to laugh though, mate, it really is. <laughs> yes, three good results to, to go over, some good performances, uh, just good feelings all round just now. So yeah. without further ado, we'll go down the tunnel and onto the park. <laughs> So the first thing we've got to cover, it would be remiss of me not to cover this first, is we've got a sad piece of news, obviously, with the passing of Rangers and Scotland Hall of Famer Ian, the wee Prime Minister, McMillan, passed away at the age of 92. Inside forward who played over 200 times over six seasons for us and scored 55 goals. Four leagues, three Scottish Cups, two League Cups and played in the Cup Winners' Cup final in 61, which we lost as well. He was actually a part-timer as well, only training twice a week and he worked full-time as a quantity surveyor. So obviously before our time and before my dad's yeah. time even, but reading up on him, he had two great spells with Airdrie as well, capped six times for Scotland and a well-respected player. So a completely different era having playing for Rangers and having a full-time job at the same time. Exactly. No, different times, Derek, but what an illustrious career that he did have. And the fact that he did get to live to a, a, a ripe old age as well. So, uh, you know, certainly uh, anyone that had the chance, you know, obviously old, older than us that, that would have had the chance to, to, to watch him, obviously got to see some player. And as usual, Derek, when we get sad news like this, our thoughts are with our friends and their family, but also to celebrate the achievements that, that, that he had. Yes, absolutely. So, moving on from that, the first game we've got to cover was on Saturday the 10th of February. It was a 2-0 win at home against Air United in the Scottish Cup fifth round. Dave, good performance. Not exceptional or anything like that, but these the ties are just about getting through to the next round, weren't they? 
It was Derek, and I've uh, I'm searching through my, my notes here on my iPad to wonder why I've not got any, and then it just dawned on me that I was actually there. So <laughs> <laughs> I went with with my son through on Saturday, decided to go by train for a wee change so we could go for a few drinks. And as you said, Derek, it wasn't a, it wasn't an all out de- demolition of the the team for, for the, the the lower league, but it was a very professional performance and result and quite rightly what you said it was all about us getting through it in the next round wasn't yes it? absolutely had to add the spice as well of the fact that scott brown was their manager and also that willie Collum was the referee and that yeah. was the first time refereeing since his blunder against celtic with us so yeah so we had seven changes from the aberdeen game that we just played we lined up butland tavernier goldson suter barisic raskin jack diamonde cortez wright and silver on the subs bench were mccrory ridvan lundstrom dessers cantwell matondo davis king and mccausland so quite interesting sticking with butland and goals as well and tavernier as well i thought this was the game for to give him a rest Captain of the team, Derek, you know, I think it's, he's the, the type of guy that doesn't want to have any rest from any games, wants to play every single match, lead by example. So trying to think who we would put in it right back, to, to be honest with you right now, I don't actually know who our uh, reserve right back would be because I realise that, that it's... Sterling's in there, but he's been so effective in every other position that he's been in that I wouldn't automatically count him as our uh, reserve right back at the moment. Yeah. So on the second minute, Cortez picks up the ball on the left. He cuts in, has a curling shot on the deck that hits the outside of the post and just wide. On the sixth minute, it was a shot from Cortez outside the box, an easy take for the keeper. And on the tenth minute, we go one nil up with Barisic of all people scoring. Went down the left side with Cortez, who gets into the box, crosses in on the deck. It was cleared back to him. It was a cut back pass to Borna, who shoots in a deflected shot into the back of net. Said it all along. Don't care how they go in, as long as they go in at the back of the net and it just shows you just having a shot right for the start I thought that Cortez looked the main man he was so direct he was really going for it you could tell he was in the mood and you know it was there and Barisic went for for the shot and regardless if it took a deflection or not it's not as if it was a, a fluke that you know it cannoned off his knee from someone hitting a pass and went in he did actually go, go for the shot took a nick past the goalkeeper, 1-0, and I was fully expecting for that stage that we were really going to go on the offensive there and score a good few more, but some frustrating defending by Air United as you're about to get into. Yes. 17th minute, a bit of controversy because Cortez was taken out in the box. It was a shoulder challenge, but there was absolutely no attempt to play the ball whatsoever. He played all of the man, no penalty was given. That was a clear-cut penalty for me, Dave. Yep. Yeah, I would say so. It was uh, it was excessive force, I would say, and quite rightly, what you said, there was no sort of effort to go for the ball. It was basically going for the man. It was inside the box. I would have said the same thing, Derek. But who are we to argue with the referee Willie Collins? <laughs> 20th minute, it was a header over the bar from Ayr. 27th minute, a quick break from Ayr after Suter has a poor first touch in the Ayr half and loses the ball. It was crossed in and knocked out for the corner. Once again, though, losing possession easily in the opposition half. When's it going to stop? I know, and it's any time that we have been in any danger, Derek, it's been through our own fault, usually by giving away cheap passes and things like that. So definitely something that they need to cut out. 
Yeah. Air were having a wee bit of possession and chances, maybe about for five, ten minutes there. 29th minute was a quick break down the left. Barisic with a great cross into the middle and a header wide by Silva. 36th minute claims for handball in the air box after a header from Silva. Hit off the t-shirt line of the defender, so correctly not a penalty given. 40th minute, Cortez with a lovely cross on the deck from the left that fizzes across goal, but nobody could stick a leg out, unfortunately. 44th minute, lots of possession, probing in around the air box, ending in a cross from the right. Barisic with a sclaffed shot, deflected off the defender, which forces the keeper into a good save, and that was half-time there. So, disappointed we weren't more goals up at this point, but we were still on top. As I said, Air had maybe about 5-10 minutes of, of possession, a couple of shots, but nothing to worry about at all. Into the second half, 48th minute, a corner in from the air and a shot from their player in space at the edge of the box, but went well wide. 60th minute, lovely play by Wright inside the box, skipping past players on the right, gets a cross in that flicks up. Diop Mandy with an overhead kick, which was cleared off the line, and then another overhead kick blocked off the line and then cleared as well. Really unlucky, both the chances yeah. there. Big time, yep. 61st minute, Cortez, Barisic and Diomande off. Ridvan, Cantwell and Matondo on. 70th minute, Jack came off and Lundstrom on. And then six minutes later on the 76th minute, Silva made it 2-0. It was a lovely pass through the defence by Tavernier to Cantwell on the right, who gets the touchline, who has a beautiful chip ball into the middle of the box. Matondo comes steamrolling in, skiffs off his head from about two yards out. How he never hit the target, I don't know. (laughs) He ends up hitting off the post, rebounds back out to Silva, who blasts it high into the net. There was a VAR check just before the kickoff as well for a possible handball by Matondo. No handball whatsoever. I don't know where they get that from, but it was just a lovely all-round move and a great finish by Silva. Yeah, it certainly was. And it's you know, we've been looking for a poacher. It's certainly that was a poacher's goal, Derek. So I don't know if that's maybe what Clamont is trying to get more involved in being a lot closer to the goal rather than that number 10 role. But uh, great to see him score. And, you know, by the looks, uh, he was absolutely delighted with his goal, <laughs> the way that he was celebrating after it. And that g- gave us the two two goal cushion. Not that we were in any serious danger, Derek, but it's always good to get that wee cushion and just try and see out the rest of the game for there. Yeah. 79th minute, a driven effort by Air on the deck and an easy take for Butland. 84th minute, Ridvan off and King on. And the last piece of play I've got here on the 87th minute was a corner in from the right, eventually shot from distance. It was a trundler, spilled by their keeper, couldn't find the space to get another shot off. And that's how the game ended up. So, a uh, decent game, decent performance. As I said, not set the header alight, but I'll take it in a cup game any which way it comes. As long as we get through to the next round, that's the main thing. Bit of fallout after the game, though, because Scott Brown, and has to be his usual arrogant self, claimed that Silva should have been sent off just after the second half kicked off for a kick on one of his players. It was a foul that was given, but there was really nothing in it. I think he did connect, but it wasn't meant at all or anything like that, and there was even claims that it was Silva that got kicked. Plus, as well, his first yellow card in the first half was, never- was a... No, it was never a yellow card. It was a foul, yes, but never a yellow card. Scott Brown went on to say, it was a big decision, a pressure decision, and it probably was not the right decision. But I knew he was never going to get sent off. That was never going to be a red card. I think if it had been the other way around, it could have been. It was the pressure coming into these big occasions. Some people can deal with it, some people can't. What what an idiot. Seriously. I know. Especially the fact that it was Willie Collum that was the referee, Derek. Let's be honest. Willie Collum has never shied away from 
controversy and certainly isn't scared to send any Rangers players off or give any decisions against us in, in matches. So he's talking an absolute load of rubbish for, for that one. As I say, if it had been another referee and he made comments like that, but certainly no about Willie Collins because we all know what he's like. So absolute nonsense. Yep. So we go into the next game. It was on Wednesday, the 14th of February, Valentine's night. We won 3 1 at home against Ross County in the Premiership. Dave, it was three going on 30, wasn't it? It really should have been. It was the chance for us to go top of the league on goal difference that night. It was a night that we were all hoping that we were going to get quite a few goals and apart from some absolutely superhuman abilities from the Ross County goalkeeper, it really should have been. Yeah, I mean, just the stats here alone, 23 shots on target, 10 off target, 72% possession, 20 corners, one offside, 10 fouls, one yellow card, their keeper made 20 saves. Just, I think that broke the, the SPFL record for the amount of saves a keeper had to make as well in one game. It did, Derek. On the other hand, the frustrating thing was the Ross County starts one shot on target, one goal, which is yeah. really quite annoying also. But as I'm sure you're about to get in, into the game, we'll, we'll, we'll dissect where, what we think happened and what went wrong. But certainly that was a, maybe the only frustrating thing apart from the, the, the lack of goals that we should have scored. Yeah, so we lined up with seven changes this time from the Air United <laughs> game. Lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Souter, Ridvan, Lundstrom, Lawrence, Cantwell, McCausland, Matondo and Dessers. On the subs bench, we had McCrory, Silva, Cortez, Wright, Davis, Barisic, King, Diamande and Raskin. So I'm not going to go into every single shot and chance yeah, that happened because that. it's far too many. I had RTV issues in the first couple of minutes, so I missed it. But we scored on the fifth minute with Dessers scoring. It was a long ball down the right side from Tavernier to Dessers into the box the ball bounces a small header for Dessers to control it and it he lifted the ball over the keeper and into the net just a, a fantastic finish from Dessers wasn't it? You know how frustrated I am with him Derek when we can see him scoring goals like that and it was a fantastic goal because he's had his back to goal basically he cushioned the header himself controlled it perfectly knew where the goalkeeper was and took it over him without actually even facing him it was a fantastic goal and when you know that he can score goals like that, it's the simple ones that he doesn't score that's incredibly frustrating. But a great goal, a great time for us to score. And the whole stadium was absolutely rocking and, you know, hoping and praying that we were going to go and get a barrel load in this game. Yes. On the eighth minute, it was a great shot from Tavernier just outside the box after a sweeping move and the keeper has a great save to tip it over the bar for a corner. Tenth minute, ball to Dessers inside the box from Ridvan. A lovely control that takes it on his other foot, shoots and hits the outside of the post. That was the first time of many we hit the woodwork this game. Fifteenth minute, Matondo with a shot on the left side just, just wide. Seventeenth minute, Matondo to Lawrence who plays it back to Matondo into the box. Has a shot, a big save from the keeper who pushes it onto the bar out for the corner really unlucky that there 22nd yeah. minute launch with a shot just outside the box and a relatively easy save for the keeper and then from absolute nothing Ross County draw level on the 29th minute it was their first time up the park it was a long hit and hope overhead kick down our right side Goldson out muscled down that wing the cross came in Suter lost his man and allowed the attacker to ghost in and shoot the ball into the net just from the Hit and hope overhead kick to Goldson this time being outside the box to being out muscled. I can't believe he just never stuck a foot in, tamed the guy out, done something, and for Suter to lose his man 
is criminal as well. Just a calamity of errors all round. It was. It was Simon Murray that scored for uh, Ross County, a vastly experienced and very underrated striker. In my opinion, he's, uh, he's always scored goals with wherever he's been. And when you've got a player like him that can score out of nothing, and you know, it, it, it'd be fair to them, it was, it was a great move by, by them, but I think they made it really easy for them and for them to score with their only shot at goals. <laughs> Absolutely frustrating considering the amount of chances that we had that we didn't score with is, uh, is, is un- unbelievable. And at that stage, Derek, you said it was out of nothing. We were completely dominating, completely on top. And, you know, it took us a you know, complete shock at that stage, didn't it? Yeah. After that 41st minute, there was lots of possession, ending a cross-in from the left to Matondo. Hits off the boot of Dessers and goes straight into the keeper's arms. 43rd minute, half chance for Ross County, but kicked high and wide. 45th minute as well, a long shot from Cantwell, saved by the keeper who spills it. Dessers picks it up, turns and shoots from six yards and cleared off the line and eventually cleared. He was getting a lot of stick for that, but it was still a hard chance to get. 49th minute, there was a chip shot by Ross County and an easy take for Butland. And on the 50th minute, Dessers makes it 2-1. It was a long ball into the middle of the box from Tavernier. A header down into the ground from Dessers. Bounces into the net past the keeper. Just a great header. The way you should do it, header into the ground, make the keeper try and dive and save, but he couldn't get to it. And obviously, this was still in the first half, being the 50th minute. The referee yeah. added on five minutes injury time because Ross County, when it drew level, they just time-wasted the rest of that half as well. So quite rightly, extra time added on. But great goal all round. No, it was, and you know, out of all of the of the shots and chances that we had, that was possibly one that you thought the goalkeeper might have been able to save compared to some of the other saves that he made, but great time for us to score as well, to get us back in the lead, going into half-time, getting the crowd lifted again, in the hope that we were going to come out in the second half and score a few more. So into the second half, we made us change at half-time, Matondo off and Cortez on. He was straight away involved and stuff. 51st minute, he had a shot force and a great save from the keeper. 54th minute, Tav passes to Cantwell in the Ross County half. Cantwell drives it forward, hits a curling effort on the deck and a great diving save out for the corner by the keeper. 64th minute, Ross County with a corner from the right. It was a header at the back post over the bar. That was quite dangerous, that one there. 66th minute, a decent shot from distance from Lundstrom and a good save from the keeper 67th minute Lundstrom with a shot saved by the keeper and out for the corner 70th minute ball fed to Dessers who creates space for himself shoots saved by the keeper 71st minute McCausland and Dessers off right and Silva on 74th minute nice play in the final third but between Tav Cortez and Silva ended in a shot by Cortez just by the post 76th minute Cantwell with a shot from 25 yards the keeper with a absolute worldy to touch it onto the bar and out for the corner 79th minute Lawrence off Diamande on 82nd minute Lundstrom with a shot on the deck from 20 yards right at the keeper and saves and collects 83rd minute Silver with a shot saved by the keeper Cortez with a shot and then blocked and then we finally get the third goal on the 92nd minute with make it 3-1 with Souter scoring it was a corner in from Tavernier from the right it was flicked up cleared back out to Tavernier who floats another cross back into the back post and it finds the head of Souter who heads it home brilliant yeah, no, great goal. I love a, a cross, a header in, Derek. That's my favourite type of goal. And John Souter making up slightly for the defensive error for the, the, the Ross County goal. It is the way of it with a lot of games like that. But delighted to get the third goal at that stage because 2-1 really 
was a complete injustice to us, wasn't it, Derek, with the amount of chances that we did have and the constant attacking pressure that we were putting on. So delighted for Suter as well to, to get the goal and, you know, two goal cushion, but we were looking, hoping for a lot more and really should have got a lot more with the performance that we put in. Yeah, I mean, I think the injustice is my summary of the game there because it was probably the most one-sided game you'll ever, ever see. It was, yeah. Yeah, the amount of chances we had, their keeper, you know, it just so happens that their keeper turns into Buffon that night as well. I want to kind of get into a wee bit of the fallout from it, Dave, because obviously Celtic had dropped points in the previous game. Had we won this game by three clear goals, then we would have went top of the league on goal difference. So obviously there was that expectation, Ross County not great, we're at home and we were relentless, we battered them. And people were going absolutely apeshit at the end of it. Oh, this is shocking, you know, that why didn't we, we we couldn't score, you know, how did we not take more off them? And I found it a wee bit over the top, Dave, because see if we were maybe 12, 15 goals adrift of Celtic like we were early in the season, nobody would have picked up on this game about the fact that we won 3-1. I mean, people were moaning at a 3-1 victory and a very one-sided one where we were never really in much doubt of, of losing the game to be honest. So I just think some of the fallout was incredible and as it turns out, we don't need goal difference, do we? So and It was more frustration, I think, Derek, because you said it at the start of the game there, we set a new record for the amount of saves that our goalkeepers had in the SPFL since basically stats begun. And uh, I, I feel, and you know, for once, Derek, I'm not, I am not criticising De- Dessers here. I think he had a very good <laughs> game. He'd done what he was supposed to do. I think it was more a lot of the other players are needing to have a look at themselves because the amount of shots and goal that went straight at the goalkeeper, and I realised there was some incredible saves that, that should have been goals, but a lot of those shots and chances that we had were, you know, guys shooting straight at the goalkeeper. And I am looking for more for these guys. I'm looking for more accuracy. And I think that that's been the issue. The the, the only sort of issue that, that I can say, and I know we had all the talk about us not going out and buying another striker and stuff like that, but with the amount of chances that we are creating, I'm expecting a wee bit more for certain other players. I thought Matondo in front of goals was absolutely shocking. He looked absolutely hopeless in he is. You, you, you can see the, uh, the endeavour and the you know, the speed and everything that the guy's got that causes problems. But, uh, you know, I just feel that, you know, we should be looking for a bit more. If there's going to be a a criticism in front of goal, we should be looking for more from our other attackers, not just our striker or strikers that are on the field. That was my only... My only gripe about it, Derek, but I'm certainly not going to complain about a 3-1 win. I think it was just the manner of the game, the way it went out, it frustrated a lot of people. Yeah, and if our gripes and frustrations were apparent, then Celtic's fans' meltdown on this was just absolutely epic. I mean, this was our game in hand, bearing in mind, so we drew level on points and we funnily enough drew level on goal difference yeah. as well. And... Celtic yeah. fans trying to justify their position. Oh, ha, 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 he's are not top of the league. He's can't even get goal difference. And uh, he's, he's, uh, we're still top because we've won more games or whatever it is. I mean, Dave, it was comical to see them try to justify the fact that they've let an eight-point lead slip out their hands. An eight-point lead and I don't know how many goals as well, Derek, considering, like what I've just said, we have 
we should be beating teams by a, a lot more. So it's, it's, it's the one thing that we've, we've struggled slightly with is putting teams away. So so for us to claw back what we've done, and you've not even got into the next game yet, Derek, for us to claw back and get back on level points with them, with even the chance of us going top was quite sensational and, and you know, incredible what the achievement that, that the manager has done. And, and like I say, I think that puts us nicely on to the next game to be fine the position, the glorious position that we're in at the moment, isn't it? Yes. So, as I said, we don't even need goal difference because on the Saturday, Celtic drew against Kilmarnock with a last-minute equaliser from Kilmarnock. Arguably, Kilmarnock should have had a penalty and they were on top for the second yep. half. So, arguably, could have lost the game. But the onus was on us on the Sunday to capitalise on that because we've had a bad history, especially this season, of not doing that. But on Sunday the 18th of February, we didn't need to worry about that because we won exceptionally comfortably 3-0 and that was away against St Johnson in the Premiership. Five changes from the Ross County game as well, so ringing in the changes as well. That's the way I like it. Now we're making changes to keep the squad fresh. It's quite incredible, Derek. I mean, I honestly can't think of it. That's happened before. But it's not the fact that he's making changes because players aren't playing badly. He just has a squad, and that was James Tavernier who said that midweek at training, everybody's busting a gut and everybody's desperate to play. And there, you know, there doesn't seem to be anyone who's off their game at training. So whereas that is a, a nightmare for the manager, it's, it's great for us because it shows that there is a a large group of guys there who can all come in and all give a hundred percent and who he feels confident and he can go out and, and, and win the game and we've not seen that in years and years halfway it's it's fantastic. Yes, so as I said, five changes we lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Barisic, Lundstrom, Cantwell, Diamande, Wright, Cortez and Silva. On the subs bench were McCrory, Ridvan, Dessers, Lawrence, Sterling, Balligan, King, Raskin and McCausland. So you look at the first team and it's strong and then more importantly you look at the bench and it's strong as well. Yeah, exactly, yep. However, the first half was an absolute bore fest. I mean, I think a lot of that was to do with the absolute disgrace of the pitch. It was just so bobbly. You were playing a slow ball on the deck. Yep. It was bobbling all the way. It was difficult to get our passing game going. And I could say it's the same for both teams, but I'm not sure St. Johnson really have a passing game, to be honest. Um, <laughs> we, we talk about the we're wanting grass pitches over AstroTurf pitches, but certainly if that's the state <laughs> of the pitches in Scotland at this time of year, is it really worth it? I don't think it's the state of the pitches, Derek. It's just that pitch particularly. I thought it was absolutely atrocious. And, uh, you know, you said it was a, a, at the start of the game, it was a bit of a bore fest. I would say about 95% of the reason it was was because of the pitch, because we knew that we weren't going to get the ball in slick passing. And, you know, again, us been able to adapt to our game to suit you know, these conditions, again, is, is so refreshing because the manager still managed to get a performance out, although it wasn't as uh, it wasn't as, as flashy and all-out attack as we'd seen in the last sort of few games. We were still the best team in the first half, Derek. Yeah. So there was in the first maybe 30-odd minutes, there was a couple of offsides for Cortez, and that's really about it. 36 minutes is when it started to get interesting. There was a bad challenge on Cantwell. It was a bit of a lunge. He did stamp on his ankle, and there was a clash on knees as well. A yellow card was given. Dave, 
we've just seen Sterling being given a, a red card for a lesser yeah, challenge no. than that. The referee gave him a straight red card for that, despite VARs saying that you've maybe made an arse out here. It's went to an appeals mm-hmm. process and they've still never overturned the red card. So there was not a lot of complaints about that and a lot, a lot of protests. But to me, Dave, that was a red card. It was a really, really strong challenge. And going just exactly what, what you said, we've had players punished for a lot less than what that was. And you are looking for VAR to intervene. You are looking for them maybe looking at this with a, a couple of different angles, but never happened. So I, like you, was a bit uh, baffled by that one. Yes. However, I don't know if we use that to spurn us on or anything because a minute later, on the 37th yeah. minute, Dio Mandy scores an absolute peach for his first goal in his Rangers career. The ball was played up to Cantwell, who has a flicked ball to Silva, who laid it off to Dio, who looked up and has an absolute cracking shot into the back of the net from just outside the box, out of absolutely nothing as well, and it was an absolute yeah. pinger of a shot. It was it was a tremendous goal for, for him, and uh, you know, when... He signed for Rangers. Uh, the manager had made a few comments saying, you know, that he did like to have a pop at goal, but certainly that was an absolute cracker of a goal for him. I mean, imagine scoring that as your first goal for Rangers. Absolute peach. And honestly, you, you took the words out of my mouth. It came from absolutely nothing because I was sitting there saying, you know, I, I wonder when the first sort of chance is going to be. And then it was a goal. Absolutely nothing, but great goal and a great time again, I keep saying this it seems to be sort of crucial times that we're getting these goals and that certainly was because it set us up for the rest of the first half and definitely going into the second half 45th minute just before half time Silva robs the midfielder of the ball we get the ball forward Goldson stabs the ball forward to Cantwell in the box as he was falling and Cantwell pretty much does the same tries to stab it towards goal but it goes just by the post and they're half time rung out so not a lot yeah. of great play at all a lot of the play it was breaking down because Wright was losing the ball a lot as well not playing well at all even to the extent that he was hooked at half time and Sterling came on for him so completely the right decision there Right, he's one of these players who comes on as a sub and seems to give you something a wee bit extra pace, but sees a starter, he's hopeless, Dave. <laughs> uh, I thought it was quite strange as well, the fact that Sterling came on. As I say, he's, he's definitely our utility player. I think he's played in absolutely every position bar striker for us so far. And let's be honest, Derek, I, th- I thought he was excellent when he came on <laughs> playing in that role. On the 46th minute, Diamande with a cross in from the right, Silva with a great half volley and a great save from the keeper, so unlucky that one there. 49th minute was a VAR check for St Johnson as their player went down in the box after Tav jumped up and had his hands on him. Not a chance, that was a penalty and it was dismissed as so as well. Dave, never a penalty, was it? No, Definitely not. No, de- definitely not. 52nd minute, cross in from the left. Sterling with a glance and header just wide of the post. Biscuit didn't heed that one there because it was easier to put it on target, I think. 59th minute, Cantwell off and Lawrence on. What was interesting about this here as well, two things. When he came off, he put a nice back on his hamstring. So hopefully that was just a precaution, that one there. But as he was coming off, a proper big hug from Clement and a good chat too as well. And it was fantastic to see because he was clearly telling them the reasons he was bringing him off. And proper man management is how you get a tune out of players. And that's what Clement's doing. And that's exactly what he has done, Derek. I mean, he's done that, I think, with every single player. And that's why, again, I'm going back to what I said and one is desperate to play and they're obviously desperate to play for him so 
it's it's been absolutely fantastic. And go, going back to what you were saying about the you, you know the ice pack, it actually looked as if Cantwell was raging, you know, for a, a millisecond that he was coming off. So I'm not reading too much into the you know I'm strapping his leg up with the the ice pack because I think he was desperate to stay on. But quite rightly, what, what you said when you get a manager who can put his arm round a player, especially like. Cantwell, who's you know one of our, if not our most creative player, and explain exactly what happens. It helps the player as well. It helps him understand, and you know, it, it doesn't lead to any bad feelings, you know, and amongst the players. So, you know, quite rightly, what you said, it's fantastic to see. Yes, sixty-eighth minute, Lawrence with a shot wide. Sixty-eighth minute, Silva and Cortez off, Dessers and McCausland on. Seventy-second minute, Barisic with a free kick on the left side of the box, curls over the wall, but had no pace and easy for the keeper. Seventy-third minute, St Johnson with a free kick on the left side, Lundstrom up and over the bar with a header, taking no chances that one there. I could see that floating in, to be honest, Dave. And uh, only one nil. It was a uh, still squeaky bum time at that point there. Yeah. Seventy-fifth minute craziness from the referee because Sterling was clearly taken out in the box from a lunging challenge it was not even just the first foot that got Sterling, it was the trailing foot as well, the ref was looking right at it, he gives this sort of guilty weird look to the linesman, clearly indecision in his face there, it ends up going for a long VAR check, he goes to the screen, he sees about 5 angles and after a good 30 seconds he eventually gives the penalty it was a joke that he had to go to VAR in the first place because he was looking right at it. It was the penaltiest penalty you've ever seen in your life, both with the, the leading and the trailing <laughs> foot. The fact that he didn't know and the linesman didn't know was crazy. The fact that he had to have five angles at it on VAR was crazy. The fact that he had to have at least 30 seconds looking at VAR was, was mental. That is the level of refereeing we've got in this country. It was a shambles all around. I'm glad we got the penalty in the end. That's what VAR was there for. But for it not to be given by the referee, Dave, fuck me. It, it was just desperate not to give the penalty, Derek. That's just the, the, the way that I, that I saw it, the way the vast majority of other people saw it. He just really did not want to give the penalty. But he had absolutely no choice. It was as stonewall as you could possibly get. No even Willie Collum could have turned around in the VAR box and t- told him that it was the penalty. It was, uh, it, it was clear cut. And uh, as you say, thankfully, it was awarded in, in the end. But should never have got that far, should have. No. 70th minute, Tav does what Tav does and he hits it high into the top right hand corner. Keeper dives the right way, but not a chance of getting it there. So that was 2 0. 82nd minute, Barisic off and Ridvan on. 82nd minute, Dave, I know you're, what you're going to say here. Dessers goes 1v1 with the keeper. He tries to take it round the keeper, but he was outdone when the defender caught up with him and he crossed into his path. It was easier to score. I think he had the touch of the Kenny Millers. Too much time to think about it there. Just get a shot off. That's that's what he, he's, he's guilty of at times, not getting the shot off. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm trying to play the devil's advocate here. Derek, does he have more of an issue with awareness of where the defenders are rather than getting the shot off? Because it, it seems to me that he, he's desperate every time he goes into that position to, to try and round the goalkeeper. That's that's what I say. It's, it's his first instinct to round the goalkeeper, which is fine if you're a striker. If you've got that, that ability to be able to do that, that's fine. But his awareness of his surroundings seems to be really poor. And, you know, he, he doesn't seem to know when the defender's really close with him or not. I think that's 
the, the, the bigger issue for him rather than not getting the shot away. But, you know, uh, an actual poacher penalty box striker would just, you know, try and well it as hard as they could if they got into that position. But he doesn't seem to do that. So I it was a wasteful chance, Derek. It really was. I'll not tell you what I was shouting at the TV <laughs> at the time, but I have calmed down since then. And I am trying to give the guy a wee bit of excuses to what it didn't happen because it's happened a few times now, almost identical to that situation, hasn't it? I mean, what happened to your teammates just shouting man on? Well, I know. Leslie doesn't understand what that means, you know what I mean? But it's, 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 it, it does, it seems to be an awareness of, of his surroundings that seems to be out, out doing them. I just wish that he would get through and just well it as hard as he could, just even to make the goalkeeper try and pull out a save rather than it ending up with him getting tackled before he even gets a shot off, which is, uh, is, is more frustrating than anything else, but... There you go. 84th minute, Dessers ends up hitting the ball off the bar. I think there was a cross from the left and he gets a header off, off the bar. It was a, it was not cleared. Lawrence has a shot, hits off the outstretched arm of the defender in the box who had his back to it, in fairness to him, but it clearly hit off his arm. There was claims for a penalty from lots of our players, nothing given and the game goes on. And then about a minute later, the referee stops the game mid-play he goes to the VAR screen and straight away gives a penalty for a handball. I think it was pretty evident to almost everyone on the park that it had been because you could see the St Johnson players knew that they had got away with one there also just with the reaction of the players. The Rangers players were going daft as well and again, thankfully, it got called back because it was as clear-cut a penalty as you could get again for the handball and referee missing it again like he did and it was, you know, we, we were having a laugh to say the referee's, you know, desperate not to give us the first penalty. Certainly looked like he was desperate not to give us the second penalty <laughs> as well. Yeah, we as a linesman in that as well, but it was a clear-cut penalty. You might yeah. not like, you might not like the rule. In fairness to the player, he had his back to it, but you can't outstretch your arm like that, and and it's clearly hit off. No. Stop, stop the path of the ball going towards goal, which it was. So, yes, yep. penalty again yep. on the eighty-seventh minute. Up steps Tavernier, does what he does. Three 0 hits it high into the opposite side this time. Keeper dives again the right way, but it was just too accurate. So three 0 absolutely brilliant at that. Yeah. And then on the 95th minute, Dessers, once again, 1v1 with the keeper, but he just releases it too late. He gets a shot off this time, but the, the defender managed to block it. So, again, I'll, I'll criticise yeah. Dessers for this one here as well, because it has to be doing better oh, than that. Oh my God, is, it, is there something happened to win, like a sort of reverse, you know, reverse <laughs> universe or something like that? It really happens here, because it's usually me going absolutely tonto about the guy and you that's sticking up for him, and here we're... The, the, the opposite way about. I, I, it is frustrating, and it's exactly like I said, it, it seems to be a lack of awareness, I think, from them. I, you know, I would be hoping and praying that these things are being worked on in training, and he's basically being told to get out there after training and practice, running in on goals and hitting shots for almost everywhere, because we've seen with James Tavernier with the accuracy that he's got, it, it basically just comes into practice, practice, practice. And I, I, I hope that that is the case. I would like to think it was, you know, with a professional player, knowing that he's getting all these chances and opportunities that he would want to be scoring as many goals as possible. So I, I really hope it is something that's been worked on, Derek, but very frustrating at the time. Yes. But 
that was the end of the game. We lined up 3-0 winners. It meant we went top of the league by two points, as well as a three-better goal difference than Celtic as well. So, absolutely delighted. We don't need goal difference in this case. Uh, the game was still not finished, though, because, you know, Craig Levine... I liked him when he was no fucks given pundit rather than grumpy old <laughs> bastard uh, manager. You know, he was moaning after the game. He wasn't happy with VAR, stating it was a huge frustration that it's another two VAR interventions. Then went on to say he hasn't seen them back himself, but he's been told the first one was probably a penalty, but the second one was very dubious. I mean, he was rightly ridiculed by pundits all, all around the place by that afterwards. I mean, how, how can he say that I'm, I'm annoyed at the VAR decisions, but, you know, I, I've not seen them yet. I mean, he's commenting on he's not seen them, and he's then confirming one of them was a penalty. He may not like the rule about the second one, about the handball rule, but it's the rule in place there. And also, if, if the referee had done his job in the first place, VAR wouldn't have had to make the call. So he's, he's moaning at the wrong person there in that case. But Dave, I think the wider point here is that that's two managers in the three games we've covered tonight, along with several others this season, making similar comments against us that it's borderline bringing the game into disrepute. They're showing themselves up too. So when is the SFA going to take a- action on that? I-, I don't get that, Dave. How can you come out and make comments like that and not get pulled up about it? It's happening a lot. Not quite as bad as some of the comments that Neil Warnock's been making in his last two games, right enough, when he was talking about decisions being borderline manslaughter and things <laughs> like that. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's becoming quite boring now. And I think if Craig Levine's really got to be looking at his own team and his own lack of attacking in that whole game because I don't think St Johnson got a single shot on target against us, did they? So... I think he's needing to look at himself, look at his own tactics before he can try and put blame on anything. Because if he thinks that Johnson deserved anything out, out of that game, he's completely start raving mad, Derek. Yeah. So uh, uh, the two stonewall penalties, we completely controlled the game in very difficult circumstances. I mean, that pitch was a disgrace. And for us to go and completely control that in a, a pressure situation, I don't care what a- anyone says, uh, I, I was absolutely delighted delighted with the result, the performance on that pitch and the way that the players just seem to step up, regardless who's who's on the park. I keep saying that everybody just wants to play for the manager and it's, it's fantastic. And we are top of the league by two points. It's tremendous and uh, here's hoping that brings the players on even more. The confidence is instilled with us being at, at the top of the league and they thrive on it, Derek. That's what I'm, that, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I mean, it's first time in two years, I believe, we've been top of the league and it's been a fight. And the, the, yes, you've had to have Celtic drop points as well, but they got in that position in the first place because we were dropping silly points. And since Clements came in, the only points we've dropped is against Celtic. So we've been absolutely relentless. We've, you know, we've more than met all the challenges so far. We've got a lot of important games yeah. still to come up, but that's the nature of the beast. Just one last thing to finish yeah. off the, the St. Johnson game. Craig Levine never mentioned this rather comical moment when Cantwell throwing some sort of boot tape or something similar like that towards the St. Johnson player, <laughs> and he felt in his knees like a sniper had hit him. I mean, it was comical. Uh, it, it was. It was that way that he sort of fell and just as he was going down, he realised that it was, that's all it was, it was a bit of tape 
It wasn't going anywhere near him, but he was too late to pull out <laughs> him going down, but he knew, and he had to get up as quickly as possible. It was pathetic. It, it, it really was a uh, comical moment, but uh, that was uh, that was conveniently missed out by Craig Levine in his uh, post-match comments there. So, uh, aye, that was, a, that was a good spot, that one. Yes. So it leaves us in the table, as we've said, top of the league, we've played 26, won 21, drawn 1, lost 4, scored 56, conceded only 13, goal difference plus 43 on 61 points, 2 ahead of Celtic with 3 better goal difference, and we're 12 ahead of Hearts as well, so just absolutely outstanding, and there's a lot of football to play, which we've got a massive game coming up on Saturday the 24th of February, that's at home against Hearts, who have been on a fantastic run just now, can't take that away from them unfortunately, that's a Mm 3 o'clock kickoff, so it's good that it's at home, but it's a massive game nonetheless then an equally as big a game is on Wednesday the 28th of February, that's away to Kilmarnock in the Premiership, that's a 1945 kickoff. I mean, Kilmarnock have been the informed team against the old firm. I think they've they've beat us, they've drawn with us, they've beat Celtic, they've drawn with Celtic. So it's uh, it's going to be a massive game that one there. Saturday the second of March at home against Motherwell in the Premiership. That's a fifteen hundred kickoff. Then we will have Thursday the seventh of March. That's the, going to be the first leg in the last sixteen of the Europa League. Sunday the tenth of March away against Hibs Scottish Cup quarter final. That's a seventeen thirty kickoff. Thursday the fourteenth of March. That's the second leg against the against whoever the opponents are in the Europa League last sixteen, and then Sunday the seventeenth of March away against Dundee in the Premiership. That's a midday kickoff. So, Dave, a uh, season defining kind of few games coming up. Obviously, with the two difficult games against Hearts Kelly, you've then got obviously Motherwell. You've got the the Europa League, which is going to be massive as well. You've got the quarter-final, win or bust. Bring it on. I've, I've been saying it for the last week, uh, ever since we got to the top of the table. I think it's these next two games, Derek. I think these two next games are massive. If we can get two victories out of these next two games, I think this is going to go a long, long way. Because we're playing you know, the next informed team in the league. We're arguably the best striker in the league against us on Saturday. Who... I've had quite a decent results against us the last few times that they've played us. Really difficult game. And then, as you say, away at Rugby Park on Wednesday night on that pitch, it's going to be difficult. So, you know, if we get two victories, I will be absolutely ecstatic, Derek. So, you know, bring it on. And as you say, we'll have to wait till Friday to the draw. Uh, for the Europa League to see who it is that we we will be getting the next round, and fingers crossed it's a a, a tie that we will uh, you will be confident in and trying to progress there. So all all to play for, massive massive season, but a fantastic position for us to be in going into these games, Derek. Absolutely fantastic. For the fact that we're still in within a chance of getting a, a quadruple in February is something mental. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So we'll go into the news. So Dave, a lot to cover in the news as per usual. 
we've got to start off with this absolutely crazy story that's continued to, to go on from the last podcast as well. Obviously, after the SPFL executive shambolic reply to the, the six premiership clubs who demanded answers over the governance review, the clubs hit back saying, following the club's letter to the SPFL chairman and chief executive, a response was received from the chairman on the 9th of February. On consideration of the chairman's letter of reply, the clubs believe it to be imperative that in the best interest of transparency and governance that the chairman and chief executive meet with their shareholders. To that end, the clubs have invited their chairman and the chief executive to attend a meeting of all member clubs to address the issues around the independence governance review. All SPFL member clubs are invited to attend and participate in this meeting, which is to take place at 11am on the 27th of February. Now, that's basically the six clubs putting this in back into the, the, the executive's hands. It's uh, an exceptionally smart move because if they don't, it proves a point of lack of leadership and they've got something to hide. Yeah. If they do attend, then they're going to get absolutely slaughtered on what they've done here. And it's very smart as well, including all the 42 clubs as well, not just the, the board members, the 12 or so board members, all, club, all clubs involved. However... The SPFL executives won't meet clubs for another month at least because they've put out a, a statement which has kind of went under the radar as well and it said, a spokesman for the SPFL said, we are pleased that following further discussions with Henderson Logie we have now been able to circulate their independence government review in its entirety to all 42 clubs. Surprise, surprise, I, mean, I think they've got something to hide there, the fact that they're now releasing that after they've been called out on it. But then they've went on to say, now that clubs are in possession of the review, we are confident they will see for themselves how thorough and detailed the exercise was and that Henderson Logie have delivered in full on the brief announced on the July 2023. Henderson Logie's report contains a number of recommendations for the board's consideration. The board had hoped to consider all of Henderson Logie's recommendations at its scheduled meeting on Monday the 19th of February. However, one director requested this discussion be put back to allow all board members to attend. That meeting to discuss the individual recommendations is therefore scheduled to take place on the 19th of March, which is the first day after the 19th of February that all SPFL board members can be there in person. Given the ongoing public debate, however, we are keen that clubs and the board are able to discuss the review at the earliest possible date. A scheduled meeting of the Premiership Clubs will take place on the morning of Monday the 19th of February and the governance review is already on the agenda. The SPFL board is, is meeting later that day and its agenda also includes the governance review. As well as the Premiership Clubs meeting, we intend to schedule further meetings, meetings in the weeks ahead to enable the clubs to have their views heard and their questions answered at the earliest opportunity. The board will discuss the timing of those meetings on Monday. In addition, we intend to call a general meeting of all 42 clubs in line with the SPFL articles where our shareholders will be given ample opportunity to consider the board's proposals in respect of Henderson Logie's recommendations as soon as possible after the 19th of March. Dave, that's a lot of fucking waffle just to say, no, you're not getting the meeting that you do, you're, you're, we're going to dictate the terms of the meeting, we'll give you the, the report now that you've been called out on it, no, you're doing it our way. Dave, it's a fucking wordy shambles, as usual. Is it perhaps more stalling than anything else, Derek? Is that a stalling tactic for them so that they don't get caught out, so they don't have to put any, anything out you know, straight away that they might get caught out on. I'm, I'm not sure, but exactly like what you said, I think it's a, you know, the, the way that the, the clubs have went about this is very smart because they know that they're now going to have to get a response, a proper response for them. 
But the way that that's went on with the amount of waffle that they put out, it looked to me as if they were stalling more than anything else, that they could try and come up with something to give them more time. So I don't know if you think the same way. All Premiership clubs have apparently had a meeting just that Monday there. So we don't, there's been nothing in the media to say what's happened from that. They're going to then schedule a meeting of all 42 clubs for the 19th of March. Or is that the, the SPFL board? I just don't get it, Dave. It's just it's just an absolute shambles. And I hope the six clubs are, are now coming up with something for this one because the fact that they were the, SP, the executive were called out, they waffle a bunch of shite, they then give the actual review, the allegedly full review out, and they waffle a bunch more shite because they were called out. And it's... It's just nonsense. It really is. Where do we go with this one? I don't know. It doesn't surprise me. And it wouldn't surprise me if it gets postponed again. And they keep trying to postpone it as much as possible and they'll come up with some other excuses as to what what, what to do. As you say, there seems to be a lot of waffling going on. But we'll have to wait and see what happens there, Derek. But uh, I just think it's a stalling tactic. I really do. Yeah. Next thing here, before the Ross County game, Clement was commenting on the togetherness of the dressing room and even revealed that he ordered the team to go on a night out together. I know I'm banging on about this, but man management is the thing that wins you trophies. You've seen it with Walter, especially in the nine-in-a-row run. Granted, it was a different culture back then. It was pretty much night out every night by the sound of it as well and all the stories that have came from that. But it's all about togetherness with that team and that seems to be what's happening here as well. It's, It's incredible to see the way he is treating the players and I've said it before, I've said it again man management wins you trophies so really good to see there and apparently they did go out and had a good time as well So Excellent, it's something that, that we've not seen a lot of, it's been very quiet but as you keep saying and we do keep harping on about it, the difference that you can see in the players is un- unbelievable and it's down to one man and that's the manager so you know, fantastic stuff Yes Next thing here, a bit of a, a strange one and an absolute stromash from Celtic once again. Rangers had to cancel all Celtic tickets for the women's Old Firm game at Ibrox just there. Obviously, we normally play at Broadwood. However, we moved it to Ibrox to get more fans in. I mean, the women's game has always been about a family-friendly atmosphere. And as such, there was no segregation between the fans planned at all. No policing at all either. They generally mix in well. It's not a police fixture. However, Police Scotland got in touch with Rangers because they had intel with about a large number of known Celtic Risk fans attending and they were likely going to cause a protest. Rangers asked Celtic to cancel the tickets of those individuals. However, typical Celtic, they refused to do so. So Rangers had but no option but to cancel all of their allocation for every Celtic fan there. Of course, this was spun as being big bad Rangers as usual. Once again though, Celtic were in a position to sort this issue, but they refused to do so. So again, when they don't get their own their own way, they chuck the toys out the pram. Celtic have always had issues with standing up to the Green Brigade. They've allowed that behaviour in that element there to fester over a number of years. And rather than deal with it, they go and blame others. And they spin their media lackeys to go and blame others as well. Celtic even had the cheek to put out a statement referring to us as the home club twice, rather than actually name us. And then they went on to blame us as well, without even mentioning the fact that they were asked to cancel tickets and they refused to do so. 
Celtic fans, of course, blame this on Rangers, and they even bizarrely try to turn it round and say it was the Union Bears buying the Celtic allocation. That's despite the Union Bears <laughs> being 60 miles away in Perth because we had our own game at the time. Celtic fans all online also mentioned that we cancelled Celtic's tickets because we hadn't sold enough of our allocation and it would look bad that there was more Celtic fans than Rangers fans in there. Just another lot, a very long list of bizarre and hilarious claims to deflect away from themselves as usual when it comes to Celtic. I want to say hats off to the Rangers security team, you know, liaison with the police to find this information out and acting upon it swiftly because that could have turned into quite a, you know, because it is a very family friendly environment and that's for both sets of fans that turn up there. And the last thing that you want to see, especially if you're going along with your kids, whether you're a Rangers fan or a Celtic fan, going to cheer on the, the, the women's game is all these mass protests inside your own stadium. It's definitely something that you don't want to see. So I'm really, really glad that they managed to act on that very, very quickly. Celtic doing their usual, terrified to speak out against a certain element of their support. So try and uh, turn it around on us. It was to be expected there, but well done to Rangers for, for for doing that because it could have been it could have been some ugly scenes there, Derek. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean to top it all off, one of the Celtic women players lifted her top to reveal a T-shirt that said "Football without fans is nothing," and then had a rant on Instagram stating that we shouldn't host the fixture if we can't accommodate fans. I mean, another ill-informed deflection and she really needs yeah. to speak to her own club to, to get the record straight on yeah. that one. I mean, on Instagram, she went on to write, today women's football in Scotland was let down. In a weekend where the Emirates was sold out and the growth of the game took an applause, the same could not be said 401 miles away. You simply can't advertise a fixture based upon the opportunity to see representation on a stage with a false intent to grow the game when the opportunity isn't there for the opposition. Take colours away and you're denying opportunity for young girls in particular to see what they can be if they dream that dream the dream isn't exclusive to the colours you wear but inclusive to all just like the foundations of women's football was built upon whatever the circumstances may be don't host if you can't accommodate plan and fund accordingly it's the reputation of the game that gets damaged a reputation we all collectively are building I mean Dave I don't know who the fuck she is but firstly <laughs> We were not denying young girls the opportunity to go and see their heroes. These were either wee plucks of teenagers or grown men from her side using a women's game to make a political point. Secondly, I mean the point about don't host if you can't accommodate, plan and fund accordingly. Well, we did. We planned and we funded for accordingly. It was a non-policed, non-segregated family game. The women's game, which you can talk about the foundations as she did there has always been like that like you said Dave her fans and her club decided to fuck that up it's not our place to accommodate your hearty feelings or fund alternative arrangements because your club cannot do the right and decent thing and thirdly this is not the first time the Green Brigade have infiltrated and disrupted a women's game they've done it before and they got pulled up about it so I don't know who the fuck she thinks she is saying all that pish on Instagram but once again, she needs to maybe speak to her own club to wind her neck in for that one. It seems to me that she's missed the memo here, Derek. I mean, the fact that we've put out a statement stating that the police have been involved with regards to this should be enough for anybody to know 
all right, there's obviously something that's happened here. And the fact that we have actually went to them and asked for them to remove those tickets so that the normal fans can get in and it's been refused so, solely comes down to them. So, you know, anybody that can point the finger at us to say that, that, that we are to blame are obviously purposely ignoring the, those two main facts there that I've just said. So she's obviously just not read anything and went with what the vast majority of their supporters have been saying has been happening without knowing exactly what has been happening. But I commend Rangers and the police for, for, for finding that information out and stopping it before anything happened there. So we have got absolutely nothing to apologise about and we've acted accordingly to the situation. So uh, well done, Rangers. Yes. Next thing here, in the first round of fixtures when it came to VAR this season, there were three errors in the usage of VAR. In the second round of fixtures, there's been a further 13. So we've been involved in quite a few of them, Dave. We've had two penalties given to us after a VAR decision, which they claim that we shouldn't have got. One was the McCausland one against, I think it was Livingston, which we all said at the time he kind of dived. I don't think he should have been given that one there. Another one I can't remember was apparently a shot pull against Seema. So we were given two penalties, which we shouldn't have been given, allegedly. Next ones though, Sifuentes' red card against Dundee shouldn't have stood, it should have been a yellow. VAR should not have given a penalty against us for the Souter handball against Kelly, which was bearing in mind that was the, the first penalty we've conceded in nearly two years, which was such a, a big thing as well. And also, VAR should have been used in that infamous handball against Celtic with uh, Johnson there. But they still had to try and justify that one by saying, oh, it would have been offside in any case. I mean, then the SFA still had the cheek to say that the process in that decision was actually correct in that instant, despite the report actually <laughs> saying the exact opposite. So if you've got an SFA spokesman saying everything's fine, and then the report that has just been published on that is saying it's not, then who are you to believe, Dave? You don't know who to believe. It's quite incredible. It's completely contradicting themselves from when it comes out. Only in Scotland would that happen, that you would get a statement out and then straight away a counter-statement saying, you know, completely opposite. It's incredible. You don't know who, who to trust, you don't know who to believe, and it's no wonder we're in the mess that we are in, in, in the game just now. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, he wasn't finished there because he ended up going on to say it was actually Sky Sports that asked them for the offside image, which they, they duly granted. I mean, that's despite there being no calls from that from Crocker whatsoever. He was a commentator at the time. He was just as flummoxed at the whole decision and the offside as I think the rest of us were. He even claimed that there was no audio at all, or that the audio for the VAR guys never even said anything about offside. So somebody's lying somewhere. I don't think, as much as Crocker's an idiot sometimes, I somehow don't think it's him in this case. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. It's, it's still a decision that baffles all of us, we, we, we could talk about, about it all night because I've never known a, a penalty decision to be checked at VAR or a handball to be checked with VAR uh, for it to be clear and then for them to automatically go and look to see if it's offside after that, which I, you know, go, go back some frames to see if the move leading up to it was, was offside. I, I've never heard of that before, absolutely baffling, but we went on about that before. We all know, Derek, what you know what should have happened. We all know exactly the reason that it wasn't given. But you know, for the the spokespeople for the SPFL to come out and, and, and completely contradict themselves, 
I was going to say surprising, but it's really no surprising because it seems to me that they've not got a bloody clue what they're up to. No. Anyway, the last couple of pieces of news I've got here is that we devil Reno Gattuso has been sacked by Marseille. He took the reins in September. It was only meant to be until the end of the season, but it got cut short, and it's been his third second in three years. Yeah, he's uh, he's a bit of hothead, Derek. We, we, we knew that already. He was uh, touted as being a possible replacement <laughs> for Giovanni Van... Uh, sorry, for, for, for Michael Bielan, for Van Bronckhurst, but going on his last few managerial uh, outings that he's had, I think it's been uh, I think it's been a bit of a car crash there, clash of uh, clash of style clash of uh, owners and managers and uh, I certainly wouldn't like to get on the, the, the wrong side of Derek so uh, I think we maybe got away with that, <laughs> with that one there but we wish him all the best in the future regardless where he ends up so uh, aye, it's uh, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll wait and see where he ends up next. I'm still quite shocked he's no landed in English football, to be perfectly honest with you, but uh, that, that could come in the future. And the next one here, rather mentally, Michael Beale has been sacked by Sunderland after nine weeks. I mean, that's not the full story because it looks as if he had some sort of no. Twitter account as well. Dave, on a personal level, I kind of feel for him because... I just don't think he's cut out for management. I think he's kind of too emotional, maybe not as emotional as, as Murray at all, but um, <laughs> but I just think he, he needed to take some time out after Rangers, clear his head. He's jumped straight back into management. I think he, he never really had the dressing room. He never really had the fans by the sound of it as well. And he's he's had a few good results and more like more questionable results and more bad results and it's just never really worked out for him and then with these burner accounts he had the same when he left Rangers as well he had these wee vacant accounts that he was posting things it looked as if he's been posting things you know praising himself and saying oh it wasn't as bad as that and I think it looks as if he's done the same with Sunderland as well Dave there is either some issues there that are more serious than we're giving credit for or he's just really insecure or there is just something no right there I don't know Dave Personally, I feel for him, but he's just no cut out for management, I don't think. If, if, if he is, Derek, it's certainly for a, a much smaller club that's not in, in, in the limelight. He, he would maybe be a good manager for a sort of bottom half championship club or League One club in England where the, the spotlight is, isn't on him as much. But, you know, going to, to Sunderland, I realise they're in the championship, but they're still a huge club with a massive following. You really can't get get away with anything, and he, he was caught out with with a burner account, which is quite incredible. And it was exactly like what you said; he had been basically pretending to be some someone else, bigging himself up, basically saying that he, he didn't do it. And there was a few things in there about Rangers as well, saying that uh, you know you, you had to feel for him because it was. Uh, uh, Ange Postacoglu that you know was r- relentless and there's no, there's no any other managers could, could have done any better and things like that so uh, aye you, you can't get away with things like that and you know I think it would be better at a much smaller club and who knows he might get back into it maybe just as a, an assistant coach or something like that but uh, very very bizarre Derek and you know, this week has been incredible with, with things that we've found out o- online, especially in the last few days, but that's certainly up there as well. Quite quite, quite remarkable. So, man's penis rots from the inside after he shoved three button batteries into his urethra. 
A man's penis rotted from the inside after he shoved three batteries up his urethra, medics have revealed. The 73-year-old Australian waited a whole day before seeking medical attention because he couldn't get the one-centimetre-wide button batteries back out. He told doctors he had put them there for self-gratification purposes. No shit, eh? But hadn't suffered issues in the past with well, He's done it before, Christ. But after 24 hours, the batteries were starting to cause him moderate pain, as well as making his foreskin severely tight and causing him issues with peeing. <laughs> the doctor of Western Health in Victoria said that the battery acid had leaked and already caused necrosis. Oh, oh, right. He said, to the best of our understanding, this was the first reported case of urethral necrosis with button battery in- insertion. Our case demonstrates the damaging effects that button batteries can cause and needs emergent removal to prevent further tissue injury and cause long-term complications. Button batteries are corrosive and tissue liquefaction and necrosis can recur within two hours. Oh, God. (laughs) More more of the acid leaking out more than an elsewhere. Yes. In the latest shot in case, doctors found that the man's <laughs> urethra had been stained black by the batteries. Doctors tried to remove the items using forceps and other tools, but the man struggled to tolerate the procedure and this was abandoned, they said. He was put under general anaesthesia and medics were able to successfully remove them and finding they were coated in a black tar-like material. They gave him a two-week supply of antibiotics. He was discharged and after three days recovering from the operation. He came back ten days later after his penis became swollen and discharged started to appear around his urethra. They operated on the organ again, finding an eight-centimetre section of dead tissue in the shaft. Oh, had to re- oh God. <laughs> Dave. The moral of the story is don't stick batteries up your bum, Derek. Up your bum? No, don't stick them up your bell ends, Dave. On that cheerful note, we will end the podcast. Don't, don't stick them up your bum either, by the way. <laughs> I don't know why you said bum there. I don't know what you've got. In... I, don't, I don't know. Dave's got something on his mind. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear, dear. I'm saying no more. Fucking glad at that. <laughs> so, Dave, yes. Uh, fantastic being back top of the league. A great feeling. A lot of important games. I mean, there's not many games to go. I think there's, what, 12, 13 games to go, but we've got a, a hell of a lot of important ones. Two games against Celtic, you know, obviously at least two or three games against Hearts, Kilmar. It's going to be difficult, Dave, to keep this going, but we've been fantastic so far. It's maybe no been the most prettiest sometimes, but we've always got the result there, and I'm looking forward to the next game. That's the big thing. I am looking forward to seeing us play and certainly if you think back maybe five, six months ago, you couldn't have said that at all. So change times this season and long may it continue. Yep, they're in the driving seat now, Derek. I want them to thrive on that and I want them to thrive by going into the next game with a good performance and a victory to see us into the game on Wednesday. Like I said, I think the next two games are absolutely massive for us, Derek. So, I just hope and pray that all the players are, are well up for this and they're thriving and being out in front. It's the first time, as you say, in about two years that this has happened. So long may it continue. Yes. So thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Cool.